0: Lock Talk Radio. A man's heart to in the world That's why he goes there for. To unlock the door. For those around him,
1: Everybody, five time with Jerry and Blog Talk Radio. So I appreciate everybody tuning in on the calls, and I appreciate everybody tuning in Facebook Live and on StreamYard on five time with Jerry on David Flowers' wall and my wall. We hope that you enjoy the show tonight. We have John Stevens as our special guest. He comes on every third. Tuesday of every month, and he is with Virginia Paranormal Events. He has a Facebook page called Virginia Paranormal Events, and of course, he has a website, www.virginiaparanormalevents.com. So, without further ado, how are you doing, Snowball? I am doing great. I hope everybody is doing great, and um, good to see so many people, but i Oh. Uh-huh. Is way yeah, cheaper it, than that. they got
2: their Vista print, you know,
1: super cheap. Yeah. yeah That's, this was a gold, it had gold leaf writing on yeah. it. Was, it was really, they wanted it really done well, and they paid for it. Yeah. Um, anyway. So to make a long story short,
2: that a lot of people that were, that belong to the page, if, in the last, uh, in the last month, we've gone over 5,000. And uh um, sorry that she had to go through something like this, so, uh, but I had a chance to meet a lot of other people. Um, I was talking with somebody, and, uh, and I didn't know who they were, but we were we were talking about um, paranormal events, and I said, "Well, I have a page uh, and they and they said, "Well, Oh yeah, we belong to that page. Yeah, we follow you all the time. We go and get all your events, and I was like, yeah, that's it's really kind of you know amazing. Mm -hmm. This person lived in Northern Virginia. They were they had come down for that, so it really is uh it really is cool.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I will check out Vista Print and see the.
2: uh, uh yeah, the, the cards, what I, how much I can do, the things like that. I really want to make sure that they're done right. Make sure right. I get the, the quality of my, yeah,
0: well, yeah, you know, my card, yeah, you can I, these, I paid right?
2: like $35, mm-hmm. 30, 35 $40 for like 250 cards.
1: Yeah, you can you can design your own card and design it with gloss and And I've got a um, picture on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna check into it. Um, get the right design and everything. Going. Um, you
0: know
2: what was
0: cool was, and uh, a little, I am looking at going to the Paracon camp. Um, I've got to be able to convert the,
2: the price of pounds into dollars and figure out how much more I'll owe. Because <laughs> I don't think we trade on an even basis with British with money. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I checked the chicken prices, they were all in pounds. And I was like, uh, uh, i got to figure out how much that is. But I'd like to uh,
1: I'd like to be able to go to that Sage Paraton at Melgrove September 29th. I believe. Okay. Yeah, that weekend. Um, and Kim Sage will be one of the speakers. So that's even more of a reason to go. So, okay. but enough about me talking. Y'all are just sitting there. Well, we're sitting here looking pretty like you told us to do, John Stevens Snowball. White John Stevens is the only one that has the nickname besides Dennis and that his nickname is Zinger. I don't I don't want to have any <laughs> I do want to say hi to everybody that's on here. We appreciate y'all tuning in to vibe Time with Jerry. I always try to acknowledge people as they come into the chat, but I am having some internet issues because I switched internet companies, so we're trying to work out the kinks. So hopefully it's not lagging too bad. And if it is, please let me know so I can let the internet people know so they can come back here and try to fix it. That would be great. I feel like there's a lagging, but I don't know.
2: Well, the first thing is, is you've got to move away from Urbana.
1: I can't do that. Um, do we
2: want to do the Do we want to do the paranormal minute right now, or do we want to wait? a
1: Minutes. You can take your time on paranormal. Everybody wants to know what events are coming up. Oh, I always do. Yep. Yeah, because there's some good ones. So we've got a busy July coming up. I will tell you that. Every weekend you can be somewhere doing something buddy. July, you like.
0: Other than your, your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I will start. Bell Grove, Paranormal Lockdown, John Sullivan, and Belgrove Plantation in King George, Virginia.
2: Don't go to the one in the houses by 7 p.m. to 5 a.m., Paranormal Lockdown. It's mm-hmm. a very popular thing. Uh, Transfer Paranormal, John Sullivan,
0: and some others uh, will be there running that. Um. July 8 at St. Albans is the Tennessee Rape Chasers, and on a night to be uh, visiting
2: St. Albans for the second time this year. Uh, and then on the 14th of July, Kids Night at Hamilton High School in Cartersville. So for $25, kids aged 10 to 15, accompanied by an adult and alcohol, Uh, will be able to investigate from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., three hours, $25. And they can do their own investigation. Um, Then on the 15th of July, same place, Hamilton Heights, this one's for adults, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., ticket prices of $40. Um, January, excuse me, July uh, 29th, the Exchange Hotel. Tennessee Ray Chases will be at uh, the Exchange. And uh, also, there will be a uh, ghost of the John Marshall House in, in downtown Richmond, uh, put on by uh, Ponce of Richmond. And that is also on the 29th of July. Uh, a couple of other events I'm just going to throw out there. There's another event at John Marshall in August, uh, at the end of August 8th, 26th. There's also another, so if you don't catch the one in July, you can go to the one in August. that Hamilton would uh, one this uh, on the 19th of uh, August. And then uh, there's also another paranormal lockdown coming in September at Bill Road on September 23rd through 24th. Uh, I need somebody to put in the chat because I was just thinking about there's an event at the cabin on 360. But for some reason I have lost that link and that date. So I'm not sure. That was what in what September. Of course, early. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, early September. I think I September 3rd
1: third and of course uh, I, this is not an all-inclusive list i didn't intend it to be they're fired
2: um, this just shows this is that in july every weekend there's some place
1: yeah i um, think there is something in camp And when... the
2: same thing will happen for august it'll fill up yeah yeah there's a uh, Contemporary Pamphlet Park.
1: That's right. And I don't
2: have that date. I don't have it. The twenty third? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh so you have your
1: Pamphlet Park mm-hmm.
2: because uh on the twenty third. Um uh, just one of those places that has
0: a lot of uh, activity, but there's also a lot of locations. Yeah. So
2: there's a lot to investigate. You, you can't be bored with pamphlets. Make sure they
1: good shoes. You
2: spread out. You, you don't have any cross contamination. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, and wear good shoes. And, yeah. And if it's hot, <laughs> um, well, story. you will probably spend a lot more time outside than you are inside. Yeah. Uh, but I will, I will say the last time, last year, it was a kind of different because the the, uh, the power went out, and so none of the buildings were air conditioned. Uh, but I have been there. When it's been hot, and, and it's just a welcome relief to go into one of the uh, the buildings and then the,
1: the nice air yeah.
2: and then there nobody who wants to leave at that point. Right. So, yeah. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say which is better because Bell Grove is completely different. Um, Bell Grove is is uh, is amazing. I mean, anybody that's been there will tell you the activity that goes on there I, um, it's one of those places when you go through the front door you're liable to catch something so, as you walk through the door and you don't even have to be investigating better you better be prepared so you walk through the door if you have to go down one of the corridors or go to one of the rooms to go to the restroom or something like that you better better be prepared um, of course, going down into the basement, um, and also uh, the summer kitchen, and the kitchen outside, and then the caretaker's house. Mm-hmm. Never it's old. Oh boy. So, uh, David, how how is the manor house? The manor house has been doing pretty good. We're here and. We've been getting some pretty interesting reads out out there too. Got a got a new girl. Well, I don't know how new she, she is, but she
0: started talking to a, a girl named Marianne. What? A new ghost? Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah, so she she might have been around, but she just just now letting herself know. Um, yeah. do you feel, I mean, what do you know about her? What did you found out about her? Young, old, eight years old, oh, eight years old, and she's from Louisiana. So do we think that maybe the young female that's been picked up in the past, or actually even... I'm going there referring to Gary on yeah, that. Yeah, we don't, don't, we, don't we haven't went that far I'll, yet. I'll say
1: that there's a,
2: I do like that the picture that I captured was yeah. of a female and not a male. Really? I don't know why. Maybe it's the, the way the head looks or something like that. Maybe the, maybe the general size. Oh, I, already, of
0: I, already, male. I already pictured it as a male.
1: Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, that's me too. And there's a male that answers in there. There's a little boy that answers, hey, hello. You know, now he hasn't the last, what, couple weeks? He hasn't really answered, I don't think. Um, But we have him saying hey on quite a few. He has a distinct voice, so we know it's him. Right. Well, and I'm not basing this off
0: of anything, so uh, I will say that uh, another place, like The Exchange
2: Hotel, they have an active child that likes to, um, to go up on the second and third floors, And it's, it's always, they've always seen the little girl. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of things you read or even you hear the, the EVPs sounds like a little boy, really hard to distinguish at that age. But the
1: voices, or but two people I know have seen a little bird. Right. Uh, so, in fact, one
2: was during an investigation, and they thought that somebody had brought their child with them.
1: Oh wow! <clears throat> <And> that's
2: <clears throat> how strong of a view
1: they got. Yeah, so that's pretty distinct, right there. And they walked
2: across the front of the doorway and they said, okay. you Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it funny that it's like sometimes the the activity that you get sometimes seems to be almost childlike. Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones willing to, to play with the toys and the cat balls. Right. And, uh, and those kind of things.
1: Right. Just curious with some of the Civil War history that surrounds a lot of places. Is uh, it
2: possible? Has, yeah, Steve White has a uh, question.
1: Yeah, go ahead and read it. I started to, but you're good. <laughs> just,
2: just curious with some of the Civil War history that sur- surrounds a lot of these places. Is possible that, that possible the sounds of fireworks might increase activity? Just curious. They might think
1: it sounds of gunfire
2: and cannon being mm-hmm. fired I think so yeah I've, I've I've often thought that yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of the fireworks are they're really loud it, it can't be like cannons going off and gunfire as mm-hmm.
0: looks like the fireworks outside i tell you another
2: thing that somebody put to me the other day was um, to get uh, things done. So they, they're attempting to try
0: to see if response, and so they're trying different things from rock to uh,
2: classical, um, to something that would have been heard in the Civil War, or something like that. So, please just, yeah, I think it's neat to try stuff like that. All right
0: yeah,
1: Please, I,
2: please we stop. And they started playing, the equipment started lighting up quite a bit during that. As soon as we started playing it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it got the response. I think we were shocked. an event. anybody knows what I'm talking about I've ever been to a powwow it's really fascinating they get I mean they get several of the people out there with the drums and they're all chanting and it's a of of them so it's loud and it's you can, you can play those recordings and so you know it's cool when something like that but you can't And it's just like um there at the Manor House, uh, got people playing um, Amazing Grace. Got the Chandler movie. Right. Right. And people now just sing Amazing Grace. As soon as you say that story, they go back up there. <laughs> Some little grandma up there with her kid
0: singing the Highway Down. Yeah.
1: Hey, Travis. she's been there.
2: Yeah, that's in northern, it's not northern Virginia. Yeah, that's only a few miles where she's left. Yeah, Ronnie Anderson at the John Brown Wax Museum. Ah, cool. Right, and um,
1: Parker's Ferry Chapel.
2: or September. to find and to the-
1: off of Broad Street? It's obvious. 1244 East Broad Street? It's, it's on
2: Broad Street. Mm-hmm.
1: You can't say that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I can. Absolutely. I just did it.
2: But it's crazy um, I you know and uh, we get on here and we speak about this every third week every third Tuesday of every month about the history of Virginia and uh, and um, I just want you to consider some of these civil war sites If you just want to take that for instance why there's so much action frankly That time period and what happened during that time, a lot, you know, we think we've got a lot of emotions going on in politics today for them. And it became it, it got so heated they fought and people died for it. Um, and the you know, the uh the, the imprint it left on this land is unmistakable. And that's why a lot of times I'll talk about Berkeley. Yeah, When somebody asked me, and I shared that with that gentleman from Kentucky, that, that, that author, I told him, I said, it's the most historic place in America. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, numerous presidents born there, nine presidents to fix their lineage back to that house.
0: Indian Massacre, Provolutionary War.
1: there a little redneck beach right across the it's right across the way from the marina I call it redneck beach because that's all that hangs there deer and redneck no offense to any rednecks I'm just saying that's what's there you haven't been there John Stevens I'm surprised Well, we do have fireworks um, coming up next Friday if you're coming out.
2: That's right.
1: Y'all do them on the night before. Yeah, that's right? the only time Money the town that's, Yeah, that's the only time the town can the get 29th, on. Twenty Thirtieth? Um, I'm sorry, no, yeah. Wait a Hold on, I gotta get in the right month. I apologize. It is Yeah, um, it's June thirtieth. We have a big party, one big, gigantic party. Food and live music. Party, party. Uh-oh.
2: thing, man. Uh, I heard good reports about that. That was a lot of fun. There isn't enough to work from ten to eleven thirty. Um, and Gates is a great place. Well, if you're allowed to run into uh, uh, our friend Ryan Jones, because um, yeah. it seems like every time I go out there, I see him walking out there. So.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Ryan Jones is getting ready to go on the air. Let me get off the blog talk. All right. I appreciate everybody that does tune into Blog Talk. That's silly. I
2: was a drinking
3: sinner with blood on my hands. I was a hard drinking sinner, a gun in my hands, drinking 40 pounds for dinner, till I
4: Freaks out there, this is Ryan, and welcome to the Freakin' Awesome Paranormal Show. Super excited today because today is not only National American Eagle Day, which, of course, is a big deal to all you American Eagle enthusiasts out there, but it is also my daughter's 20th birthday, which is really cool, but at the same time makes me feel really old that I have a daughter who's 20 years old. But hard to believe. Ooh,
0: that's
4: hot. Mm. my decaf coffee. Yes, yeah, she's 20 years old today. And so I wish a very happy birthday to Rihanna and uh, whoever, else is, whoever else's birthday is today. I don't want to exclude anybody. And it's pretty cool that um, if you're born today, your birthday actually falls on. National Flag Day in Argentina, which is actually you know really cool. I'm sure they're partying hard down in um, the uh, down in Argentina, celebrating their flag and everything. So, don't if you're living Argentina, don't party too hard. You know, celebrate responsibly. I know you love your flags down there, but you know when to say when. Okay, guys, just a public service announcement from the Freakin' Awesome Paranormal Show, and also. I know this holiday existed, but if I did, I would have, you know, enjoyed enjoyed it a lot more. This actually is actually National Hike with a Geek Day. Um, so if you're a geek and you wanted to hike with somebody, today would be your day. National Hike with Hike with a Geek Get Day. Can't, it's so exciting! Can't even talk straight. I'm so excited about National Hike with a Geek Day. So many cool holidays today. It is awesome. It is a great day, a great Tuesday. I've got a great guest. Uh, my co-host Austin is on another show right now, talking about one of his investigations he did at uh, Fleetwood Church um, here in Virginia. So hopefully he'll be on here soon. So until that happens, I'm going to be like so. Thank uh, I'm gonna see, I'm cool. like I'm all over the place. So excited for um, National Flag Day in Argentina! I'm just like, just pfft. I want to thank Austin for filling in for me last week because I had um, some dental surgery done and uh, had some teeth pulled, and uh, I was not feeling like hosting the show. So he actually came on here and uh, did the show solo for the first time. And uh, he did a great job, so I want to thank him for doing that and helping me out last week because it was not in the best interest of in trying to host a show because I couldn't talk. And um, it's always good to be able to talk when you're trying to host a talk show. I don't know. Usually it helps. Trying to do sign language while hosting a talk show is not going to work too well, especially an audio talk show. That's going to be a lot of, just a lot of silence. But, you know. Anywho, let's get on to our guest tonight. John Ward is the author of the Scareville book series, and uh, he's a founder slash investigator of Dead Republic Paranormal, and the founder co-founder slash lead investigator of Ohio Paranormal Syndicate or OSP. Now, this is I got this off his Facebook page, so I hope it's current. So, uh. <laughs> uh yeah, so let's go ahead and put him on the show. I'm super excited to be chatting with him tonight. Let's do it. Hello, man. How are you? Hey, Ryan. I'm good. How are you? Hmm. I am doing just fine. Are those Ouija boards behind you? They are Ouija boards, yes. That is awesome. The two on the bottom left corner. Mm-hmm. Are those, those, I've never seen that design before. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah,
3: they they're uh they're called the Mitchie Manatee Board. Um they were made back in late nineteen tens or late early nineteen twenties. Um company based out of Missouri, I believe.
4: So what what's the difference? I mean, are they basically the same or like I mean obviously the designs yeah, but so
3: yeah, I got <laughs> interesting story. I, I found a pretty rare piece and I actually traded them with a pretty legendary uh, Ouija board community member collector or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and that, the Mitch Humanity Board was one of my top ones. Uh, so he offered me two of
0: them for, for one of my finds
3: that I had found. Uh, they are small variants, probably hard to see in the video. Uh, just little differences like it says while they're manufacturing underneath and it doesn't on this one and then the mo- or the fun, excuse me, a little bit different. So they're just little small variants in the boards,
4: but uh, other than that they're the same. Same company. So are 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 ones I guess the, the Mitchie ones are worth more or which one's are like the the, the rarest ones that you have?
3: Uh the Mitchis would probably be the rarest ones that I have right now, yes. Yeah, they're pretty hard to come across.
4: Those were were made back when like spiritualism was, but like was this like in the early 19th century, or yep. 20th century? I guess late, late 19th century. Yeah, yeah. 19th so spiritualism
3: was huge back then. Um, realistically, I mean, it started in the early 1900s, and really it ran through the 1940s uh, before it kind of started to calm down. And then in the 70s, uh, Hollywood demonized Ouija boards, and now everybody's pregnant.
4: So yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you say Ouija board and it's, People automatically think you're trying to um, talk with demons, and that's what your sole purpose is. And you, you, you know, wear cloaks and kill babies and drink ghost blood just because you happen to, you know, want to use a Ouija yeah. board.
3: Yeah, and to be honest, I don't even use them. I uh, just like collecting like creepy antiques. Um, but yeah, I mean, people—they—they they just destroy the boards for, for no reason. I think the boards house, some sort of
4: evil, but, you know, I've got 13 Ouija courts and. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you know, if you, if you sit there and they're sitting on your board, on your wall, or have um, a Ouija board sitting at the cabin on 360, as, they, as a decoration, it's not like the, the spirits are coming through the board when we're not using them, you know? It's, you know, you buy a spirit box, and you don't turn it on, you're not going to hear any messages. So it's kind of like that. It's like, or we can't have this in the house. It's no. It's not. It's not going to do anything unless you use it. Right. You got to use it properly. Either way, you know.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Very similar to you know pendulum or dowstring rods divination. It's the same same practice, right? So.
4: Yeah, they're they're using you as a conduit to speak, but you know if they if they happen to have like I don't know a pendulum and the wasn't it like the exorcist they're using a Ouija board in the movie and that's
0: Yes.
4: So if they're using a pendulum and not a Ouija board, would pendulums be you know thought of as right. as that, you know? A
3: hundred percent. Um but yeah, I mean that's you know, I, I, that's what happened, right? The, the
0: Exorcist was the, the primary
4: movie that really kind of demonized everything and they didn't want to it, so. You said, uh, CR's art says I played one, and we lit a candle. If you light a candle, why will not it let you blow the candle out? Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard that before. Maybe you've got to, like, finish the, like, close it out properly before you can blow the candle out? I don't know.
3: I've never even – I don't – so I've only used the Ouija board once.
4: Um,
3: we didn't use candles, I don't think, but um, we had used it uh, when we were filming my first documentary, Dead Republic, as well with Sanitarium. Um, it was actually a really, really neat experience. Um, pretty, pretty frightening, but it wasn't like anything, anything like what you'd think. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about the candle. I don't know if CR wants to elaborate on on what that is or why
4: it uses a candle, but. I'd love to know. Yeah, I would use them if I was going t- 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 to look cool, I guess, to add to the ambiance. Okay. My sister got one for c- Christmas one year, uh, not a candle, a Ouija board. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it, we we were we were kids. Parker brother, Ouija board, you know? You know, the mystical Ouija board, talk to the dead, talk to spirits. And they are like, of course, we were sitting there downstairs in the basement with our hands on it. Who's the coolest person here, you know? so and so like me or once you know, stuff like that. Of course we're all mm-hmm. you're pushing it. No, you're not I'm you know. Didn't actually because I think one of us would, all of us were all of us try to try and answer in favor of ourselves, you know. So yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: I see it. oh, who's the coolest person here? Oh, it's going to travel traveling to R. Look at this. R, Y, A oh. Oh, look at me. I must you must think I'm cool. That's my uh extensive uh use of the Ouija board. Uh he said, "I don't think we knew what we were doing. Young and dumb. See, that's what I was."
0: Well, you know, I mean,
3: back in, I want to say it was during, might have been World War One, either World War One or World War Two. Um, you know, it was
0: primarily
3: used for back in those days trying to communicate with loved ones that they lost in the war. But even oh. before that. Um, it was used exactly for what you were saying. Like, people were trying to figure out if people had crushes on them. It was more of, like, a, a, a couples type thing. Like, that's kind of how it
2: originated, to be honest. So.
4: Yeah, I think uh, the fact that it was made by – or the one that I got was made by Parker Brothers is more of a, just a fun deal, you know, for kids. Yeah. You know, didn't really take it, you know, seriously. I, I saw – I was at Five Below one day. It was a years ago. And I saw in the, in the back of the game section, I saw one, it's a Ouija board, but it was called Ouija, W-E-E-J-I, or maybe it was, I guess Ouija, it wasn't Ouija, it was Ouija, and I was like, okay, it was like the uh, the Dollar General version of a Ouija board. Yeah, I've seen those before, and uh, you know, I, I don't personally
3: smoke you know, marijuana. But there's actually one that's called a weed Ouija board, which I think is pretty funny if you ever look that one up. But um, kind of like a pot leaf as a planned.
4: Oh my god! But... I saw. I don't know if it's real or not, but I think I saw like a Barbie doll or a unicorn Ouija board or something. But I think it might have been like a like a fake one.
0: There's so like a picture maybe. of it. I don't know about a unicorn. I
4: know there was a
3: pink Ouija board that yeah. came out. In the mid-2000s and it was a toys r us exclusive and uh you know there was a huge amount of backlash from parents and people all over the country so toys r us wound up canceling those and, and getting rid of them and uh so they're actually pretty rare reports to come across but uh yeah there are pink pink boards that toys r us was trying to sell at one point
4: so yeah. i wonder what people think like the parents who are backlash i mean like people like like paranormal parents but not every person obviously is in, into the paranormal but they but they must think the kids are doing something nefarious with those Ouija boards, talk to the things they're not supposed to, even if they're not really into the paranormal. Like you know, our our little section of the world is very like, kind of a limited but not enough to cause back love backlash to you know, make toys or rest stop selling something
3: yeah I think it all just uh all comes back to the movies exorciist yeah. being the primary one but you know there's a lot of horror movies that that delve into Ouija uh, boards conjuring up demons and all this other stuff that's just nonsense but um yeah I think that's kind of where the or the main sticking
4: point is for a lot of people there's just a lot of misunderstanding, so it just because you show what a what a wide wide range of like um like uh I mean, of the word I'm trying to say but you know, how far reach a paranormal has where something like that, where you don't see people, you know, freaking out because Best Buy is selling digital recorders, and we use those to speak with ghosts and the paranormal more than people use Ouija boards. It's, just, it's yeah. just just that stigma that they have.
3: Yeah, no, 100%. Totally agree with that.
4: So we, sorry, went off went off on a Ouija board tangent there, but uh, you know okay. that's what you know, kind of go wherever the conversation takes us. So um, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking to me on National Flag Day in Argentina. I know you're busy with that, you know, celebrating the flags down in Argentina. Thank you for taking a bit time of your busy day to uh, talk with us tonight. Um, the um, I wanna talk about how you got into the paranormal. because like, I see you're a part you're part of two ghost teams, Dead Republic and uh Ohio Paranormal Syndicate. Yep. Are you still part of those teams?
3: Uh, yes and no. So Ohio Paranormal Syndicate was, was the very first team I ever I guess created, I would say. Um it was with a, a group of friends that I worked with at one point. Um well, I don't say I won't want to say we're a team anymore, but we, we're still friends. We still investigate the paranormal, uh, whenever we all can get our schedules to align. Uh, and then Dead Republic, I think it's on the back burner right now, especially with me focusing on the books. But um when I was with Dead Republic Paranormal, our our sole focus wasn't going out and investigating doing all those different things. it was but it wasn't. Um, it was more about documentary filmmaking. Um, and we went out and investigated the stuff in general too, but uh, the primary focus was filming documentaries. We had made two. Um, but since then, we've kind of gone our separate ways a little bit. Um, Mike Hatcher, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's doing his own thing with his own paranormal team now. The uh, Marcus Howe he got busy with Greenville Manor. Um,
0: and then my wife, she's been
3: down in Tennessee, taking care of her grill for the last year plus. So uh it kind of left me on a solo mission where I just kind of go out, hang out with friends, have a good time investigating, and, and go from there. But, um as far as the teams go, I, I always welcome investigating with with them if they ever want to. But uh, I would say right now I'm kind of like on a on a
4: solo thing with the paranormal. Did you, um, when you were growing up, were you into like the like the paranormal shows? or Did you read lot, a lot of like
3: great question? Um, actually, I I want to say no for the most part. So. Uh, I think as a small child, I was a believer in the paranormal. I would see and experience things. And, and I had those kind of parents that kind of shut it all out and was like, that, you know, if there's no such thing as ghosts. Like I'm just going do it as a defense mechanism. So they don't want you being afraid and stuff. But, um, I think it made me hardened to the paranormal for a very long time. I actually was a hardened skeptic to it,
0: uh, up
3: until I was about 21 years old. So about 12, 13 years ago now, um, when I moved out to an apartment with my roommate, his name's Sean Botch, um, out in Akron, Ohio. And I remember when I moved in with him, he and I, we were planning on making like a Halloween haunted house attraction. Like we like creepy stuff, we love war and all this stuff. And uh, he tells me, oh, by the way, there's a spirit that follows me around everywhere I ever lived. It's done since I was a kid. And his name's Bob. And, and, and automatically when he tells me that the spirit's name is Bob, I automatically think you're full of crap. Like this mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to, rise out of me and get me scared right um so i did what all hardened skeptics would do in that situation and i started provoking taunting doing all of that uh all that good stuff and uh lo and behold things started happening that i could not explain science could not explain and uh yeah i, I became a believer and uh i didn't get into investing the criminal right away but i really was intrigued by it at that point i, I was a believer uh, and then the movie The Conjuring was actually what led me into wanting to investigate. Um uh, kinda of opened my senses up to it. So came out like twenty thirteen, I wanna say, so uh, a couple
4: of years after that had happened. Yeah, a lot of people just can't get past that, that block, that mental block that, you know they say, Well, I, I don't I don't can't believe this is real and even stuff happens that like happened to you where it's like obviously it's something but they can't let themselves believe that it's something. What What do you think is the difference between what you went through or how you got past it compared to other people who have the same thing happen?
3: So, there, so let me backtrack a little bit and I'll get to that answer. Um, so let me just start by saying that a lot of small things started happening. Um, so my buddy and I we worked second shift, we did manufacturing, so we would work three to eleven PM we'd get home at the midnight, right? Um there's a couple times where we come home, the lights would be on, you know, we chalked it up on well, maybe the the owner of the building came in and did whatever, like we didn't know, right? But or maybe we left the lights on while we were at work. Stuff like that. Little things and things would be moved, blah, blah, blah. But it started to escalate into things that I nor science could explain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the first situations I had run into, um,
0: My wife and I, ironically,
3: had watched paranormal activity in the living room. And uh, my roommate and his girlfriend at the time, they were out at the bar. So it was just me and my wife, and we went to go lay down and go to sleep. Uh, And I don't know, we probably laid there for 20, 30 minutes or so. Lights are off. It's pitch black. And I have the door in my bedroom closed, and I hear a loud bang, like someone either punched or kicked the door really, really hard. Uh, I immediately jumped out of bed and opened the door, and it was dark. There was nobody else. It was just us. So that was, like, strike number one. Um, but the biggest one that really, like, made me question, like, how is this possible? Science can't explain this uh, happened in December. My wife, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, but she's my wife now. She was back home in New York uh, for for winter break uh, from college, and my roommate and his girlfriend were down at the bar again. So uh, I'm in there by myself, and the apartment was, like, a two-floor thing. Like, Mm -hmm. my apartment bedroom was down here, and he had a loft above it, and – I go to walk into my bedroom underneath his to go get a movie to put on or, or whatever to just relax, and I hear a loud bang up in his bedroom. And I – obviously, I'm startled, right? And I call him, and I'm like, hey, you know, I just heard a loud crash up in your bedroom. I really don't want to go up there. Like, I'm just letting you know. Uh, sorry, my computer screen turned off there for a second. Okay. Um, called him, and he said, well, you at least go up there and check on my pet lizard. And I'm like, okay, Mike, I don't want to. But I will. And he was pretty angry because I obviously had told him to Bob, yeah. Uh, as it was, and uh, so he's upset that things were happening. But go up there, and somehow, um, middle of winter, right? No windows are open, no air graphs, no wind graphs, no nothing. Uh, but a picture frame with a picture on it, boom, off of his wall, blown 10 feet to the right, land on the ground, smashed. Look over in the corner where his pet lizard was, the lizard cage and all that good stuff, and he had, like, a one of those lights but like, heated up the tank for yeah. him. just went down my back when nothing happened the night before. So stuff like that was happening. It was just, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience living out there for that
4: year. Now, did you feel anything? Were you, did you feel like you weren't alone? Did you feel like after you were taunting Bob, did the atmosphere change at all, or was it, like, just normal? So,
3: so at that time, I wasn't super sensitive to it, right? Like, now I've developed that, that ability to feel things Mm -hmm. when
0: investigating.
3: But back then, uh, the only time I felt like I wasn't alone was when things happened, if that makes sense, right? Like, I didn't feel his presence or anything like that, but when things happened, like the the dresser situation, the the lights and all that stuff, um, or the punching of the door, obviously at that point, I didn't feel alone, and I was afraid and all that stuff. But leading up to that event, I didn't feel his energy or anything like that, leading up to it, if that makes
4: sense. Was it, like, super tense? Like, after that happened, where you're like, okay, what's going to happen next yeah. <laughs> yeah. It imagine. Wasn't like, it, wasn't, it
3: wasn't a constant thing. It would happen, you know, one day, and then two or three weeks would go by, and then something else would happen, and then a month would go by, and something else would happen. It wasn't like a constant, every night
0: thing. So. But still,
4: you're always on, kind of on edge, because you don't know when the next thing is going to happen, or you know, if you're going to be laying asleep in bed, and then Bob's just just going to decide to make himself, make himself. No, did you just did you ever apologize to him? and go, dude, sorry. Bob?
3: Yeah, multiple times, multiple times.
4: Um,
3: Yeah, it, it got to a point where I would, even if I was in the apartment by myself, I was I was talking out loud and, you know, apologizing to him and, you know, still to this day, I don't keep in touch with Sean as much as I used to, but
4: every time I talk to him, you know, he's, he's funny. He's like, Bob still doesn't like you, by the way. <laughs> Do you ever randomly, like, you know, apologize to Bob for just out of nowhere because you're afraid he might come? Just, you know. <laughs> Just, like, travel through? Uh, so know,
3: yeah. Since then, um, I went and hung out at his house once, after the fact, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, I I could feel his energy at that point, but I remember I left my phone charger at Sean's house. Uh, and he told me that uh, in the middle of the night, he heard something plank against the wall, and he looked down, and there was a, my phone charger laying on the ground. So, apparently, Bob popped thrown my phone charger across the room, and, I was like, well, you, you can keep the phone
4: charger. I'm not going to it. It's got to Bob here. Right now Bob's attached to the phone charger. So you're like taking a piece of Bob home with you. So he's like, oh, no, I got that connection here. And I can go I can go scare the crap out of you now, too. Probably best that you let him keep the phone charger. Nope. 100%. They don't cost that much. Definitely not worth trying to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely not. So um made you decide you wanted to get into writing books about the paranormal. Did your experiences that you had, like, investigating lead up to it, or how did you get into uh, your Scareville book series?
0: So
3: I wouldn't say I'm a paranormal writer per se. Um, It's more like a middle-grade horror series, similar to, like, a Goosebumps, right? Okay. um, But to answer the question, so I was always – a fan of writing, even at a young age. I remember I was in—I don't even know what class it was, but I was in middle school, and I remember they wheeled in one of those TVs, and you know they were going to play us a movie in this one class, and I had uh, zero interest in watching the movie, so I started handwriting a zombie story or something like that, right? And I remember the teacher came up and snatched the papers off my, you know, off my desk, and. Obviously, back on that's when you handwrite notes to yeah. girls or, or vice versa, right? That's probably what he thought I was doing. But I was writing a story, and five minutes later he comes back and apologizes, gives my story back. But uh, I should have known then um, I know what I should have been destined to do. Um, and I, and I always was told I was a good writer, but um, I kind of lost sight of it when I got into high school, and you know I kind of separated myself from writing in general and kind of forgot about it because. You know, you're told throughout school, like, you need to go to college. You need to get a job. You need to do this, this, and this. Nobody ever tells you, like, go pursue your dreams. You know, go go try to go do what you enjoy. And,
0: um. Anyways,
3: it's been a long time since then. Um. I'm obviously 33 now. So, um, so I graduated 15 years ago, right? But I've, I've spent my time working, going to school, all that different stuff, and never been happy. And I've always wanted to get into the horror industry one way or another, whether it's a uh, fun and house attraction during Halloween or, or what have you, making movies, blah, blah, blah. But one day last, I want to say it was like September, uh, August or September, I'm at a local park here in Canton called Civil Lake Park. And I'm on a dock and I'm just out there thinking, like, how can I get into the horrors? What can I do? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I turn around and uh, realize there's a giant library up on the hill. And I have that light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, i can write books but what kind do I write? So I started to think about how much I was impacted by goosebumps as a kid, and I realized I would have a lot of fun writing middle-grade horror stories similar to that. So uh, once I had that realization, the floodgates opened and all these ideas started coming to me, and uh, the rest has been history since, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, The writing is definitely the fun part. The after part with marketing and selling and pushing is is difficult, but uh, all good. It's all fun stuff.
4: I guess you gotta do the legwork to uh, to get it and get it out there. So when you started writing, did you have the idea of obviously it's going to be a series, or it's like okay, I'm gonna start here and then it, you have do you have an endpoint, or is it just one of those things where it's just gonna keep going until you know the well run, the well runs dry? Yeah, so that's, I think it's gonna be
3: one of those things where I'll, I'm gonna keep writing until I run out of ideas. Um, I mean, just after I don't know maybe 20 minutes of brainstorming, I had. 30 plus story ideas that I could feasibly write a book for um, just typed up in my notepad on my phone. But um, if I sat down and really thought about it, I could probably go up with even more, but um, yeah, when I, when I came up with the idea, I wanted to, wanted to get into the middle of horror space and write a series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that was that I feel like that's been a neglected part uh, ever since, Maybe 10 or 15 years ago, uh, R.L. Stine with Goosebumps was huge. It was massively popular when I was in school. Every every kid couldn't wait for those scholastic book fairs to go get those books. And yeah, I wanted, I wanted to bring back that that excitement in that age range and, and get kids excited about reading again. So,
4: now so is it? that haven't not read them, but are they? I mean, based on characters where, you know, they can, they'll can, they be growing up as you go. So the your audience you have now, will it's kind of like Harry Potter, you know, where it starts off, they're like 12 and it goes all the way till they're 17, 18 years old. Like, is it going to be like a chronological thing, like that deal? Or is it going to be just different books, different characters in each book? Yeah, so it's
0: going to be uh,
3: different characters, different stories in each book. Now, that being said, I do have sequels planned for some of the books. Uh, eventually, once I get you know enough of a release, I'll go back and make a sequel of uh, one of my first books and movies. So, um,
0: but to answer the question, yeah, I, they're going to be separate stories
4: each time. So that's awesome. So, how long does it, does it take you to uh, to come up of a how long did it take you to come up to, with the idea for the first book, which was uh, the Welcome to Scareville? So,
3: this is a lot question. So. Uh, actually the first book I wrote is going to be the third book that I'm launching, which will be coming out in August. Uh, it's called Monsters of my Hope. That was the very first book idea I had. Um, but I had written like a prologue slash introduction piece in the beginning of the book. And it was supposed to be like its own story outside of the story, kind of the concept I had. And I had my friend read it and she's like, why don't you just make that its own <laughs> – and, and it made a lot of sense. So that wound up becoming Welcome to Scaraville. Uh and I wrote my – that was the second book I wrote a lot of the first one I watched. But, um, yeah, so the, the – if I could talk – conceptually, it takes me little to no time to come up with the book ideas, and then maybe 20 to 30 minutes of me really brainstorming and just outlining – where I want the book to go and character names and all that different stuff. Uh, but from there, it's, it's really just, I don't even know if this is a normal thing or not, but when I'm writing the books, and I'm typing it out. I think, you know, uh, plays in my head like a movie and it just kind of like, I don't know how it works, but my brain can function to where I'm typing out the words as it plays in my head. And, um, that's just kind of how it works. And it's pretty, it just blows out, honestly. So, um, a couple of the books took me three or four weeks to write, but uh, the second book that just came out last Tuesday, I think it was, uh, the sixth, two weeks ago, uh, that one, it took me one week to write. I actually just breezed right through that one. Um, so, yeah.
4: Do you ever get writer's block?
3: I do. Um, generally, what has always helped me was I, I always to that the Lake Park at nighttime uh, if I have writer's block and um, just there and collect my thoughts. and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just being out in nature or what, but it's therapeutic and it clears my head up. And and I've always been able to get out of that funk pretty quickly if I go out
4: there at nighttime. So. What's the hardest part about writing a book besides the, the after part of writing a book, the whole, the, the marketing and everything like when you're in the process of writing a book, what's the, what would you say the hardest part for you to get past?
3: I would say just, just, how to, how to start the book, right? Like just that very first like few pages of getting the ball rolling is probably the hardest part. Because uh, you want it to, you know, you want it to be able to attract people in and, and get them interested in reading more. Um, so that's probably the hardest part. Um, outside of that, I do try to incorporate twist endings in each book. So that can be a little tricky sometimes as well. But um, yeah, that's really it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's weird. I, and, and the problem is I don't even know, like I said, I don't know if...
4: Imagine like for most authors, it would be like you know you have the story in your head and you you have the characters and you, and basically the characters are coming through you onto the keyboard and you're giving your characters life, what's in your head, life and you know it, it's a it sounds like a really cool experience to um, to be able to do that and then share it with the world and have you know feedback. Where it's like, Oh my oh my gosh, I love these characters, I love these books and you you know, it's gotta feel really good to yep. uh to be able to experience that. Yeah, it's uh
3: it's weird though. Like uh I was confident in myself when I wrote I I wrote the first three books before I ever started doing any publishing, but I was really confident in everything. But I was still extremely nervous to release it to mm-hmm. everybody and uh once it finally hit and people started reading it I I had such bad anxiety waiting to hear feedback, and luckily, it's all been really good. I haven't had any bad feedback yet, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool when you when you hear people are enjoying what you what you put together, and um, definitely makes it all worth it for sure.
4: Yeah, I imagine it would be it would be tough to you know because you write these books and they're your babies and you know the yours, and then you're giving them to the world. It's like you make a pie and you think the pie tastes amazing. And you take it to the county fair or whatever, and you're letting people taste it, and you're like, oh, "What if they don't like it? What if I'm completely wrong? What if, what if you know, this is the worst I've ever had in my life? You know, it's it's like you're giving them a piece of you, and hoping that they, you know, re, you know, they enjoy it. And obviously, they have. That's got to be a, it's got to be a a great a great feeling. Yeah,
3: one of the one of the coolest uh, reviews I got was someone. I don't remember exactly how they phrase it, but they're like, "I could see this being made into like a TV series or a movie." And that, that to me, is an ultimate compliment that I could get from someone. So, um, hopefully, that happens. One when time. that does happen, does.
4: you know, I want you back on the show before you, before <laughs> you know. I will have to call your agent up and say, "Hey, you know, can John make time for us to come on this Drake and paranormal show?" And hopefully, you'll have, you'll find time. You'll see, I'll get an autographed copy of the book or something. I'd love to have it. Love to read it at least. Awesome.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a publishing like uh, it's a lot of work. Um, I'm scaling a mountain and all this stuff, and, and I refer to people that, that read my books and I share and do all this stuff. I call them the Scareville Army. It, it really, it, it takes an army effort for for self-published authors to really make it and go places. So, um, pushing as hard as I can. Sometimes I get a little worn out, but uh, hopefully, you know, one day it'll pay off.
4: But that's what people are doing now, man. They're, you know, they're going out there. Like you self publishing they're going like Soundcloud people are making songs and you know there are like fifty million uh YouTube ghost hunting channels on uh you know, but people are are you know putting themselves out there these teams like you did the the their documentary you're putting yourself out there again these teams I have friends who are who like austin um he doesn't forgot. Forgotten explorations on YouTube and they go out and they film their invested they film their investigations and they're they're they' they're trying to get and I'm not, they're not trying to be like you know famous or whatever but just trying to show people you know paranormal investigating and you know hope, hopefully people will enjoy what they're doing Kind of like
1: what I'm doing right
4: now I, I do these podcasts I invite people to come on I'm not I'm not sponsored by a, a huge company. You know, um, we just being creative, putting, you know, get, getting our creative juices flowing and hope people that, you know, enjoy it.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, passion is a big part of it. Um, you gotta love what you do. Um, that makes it worth it. Otherwise it just feels like, like another job, right? And yeah. That's when you start to go ahead and that's when you don't want to do it
4: anymore. So, uh, definitely good to have the passion and, and excitement towards it for sure. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> It's definitely good to have. Questioning when you, you like you you said you were with the uh, with the lake work and you know getting the word out and doing the because once you get past the uh, the fun part writing the books and getting the creativity you've got to get people to you know read the books or get them out there for for them to see and um, it's got to be it's got to be a tough process. What was the um, what was your strategy when you first got your first book out? Before you answer that, I'm going to add Austin, my co-host from Forgotten Explorations, on to the show. Welcome, Austin. Happy American Eagle Day to you and George. It is. Yes, it is. So we'll go back to to what the question is asked you, John. You can answer that.
3: Yeah, so... uh... I don't even know how I really approached it. To be honest, with you. I didn't have like a huge strategy going into it. Um, but before I even did the self-publishing, I, I wanted to go through a traditional publisher. Um, I, so in order to do that, a lot of people don't realize this. Publishing companies they don't just take manuscript submissions. They don't. They're not open for that. So, uh, just doing a little research, you know, I found out you need to get a literary agent, and they're the ones with the connections to the publishers, and they do all this stuff. So, anyways, you got to sell yourself to the literary. I went through this database and, and narrowed it down to people that were in interested in middle grade and I had a list of like 20 agents or so that I had reached out to. Um, and I, at the time I worked for a company called HubSpot. So I used their CRM and it basically let me know if they ever opened
0: the email and 19 out of the 20 agents never opened
3: my emails, but just automatically denied it. It didn't, didn't even give me the time of the day. So, um, I basically just pivoted real quick, and I'm like, well, I'll just self-publish it myself. Um, I hadn't made any announcements at this point that that was the venture I had been working on, Uh, but through the paranormal, I've I've developed a a decent following or or what have you. Um, So I kept kind of like throwing little nuggets out, like, oh, I'm working on this project, working on this project, but one, I started to build up a little bit of interest in it, and then finally, once I had uploaded the book uh, through a company called IngramSpark to be my printing company, um, everything was good to go, it was ready to roll, uh, I made the formal announcement on Facebook and it kind of just blew up and everybody was sharing it and it kind of took off. So, um yeah, I mean I didn't have a huge strategy in going into it. I you know, tried TikTok. TikTok can be a little tough and I don't know mm-hmm. how it works. And, mm-hmm. Um I tried throwing like twenty bucks at marketing on it. And I they just threw me a bunch of empty accounts as
4: well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I've gotten those yeah. before
4: where it's like zero <laughs> videos and it's like yeah. okay, all right, yeah. Yep.
3: So I, I decided I'm not going to spend any more money there. I, you know, I'm trying not to spend money on marketing. because I, I truly don't understand how it works, and I don't understand if I can see, you know, how many people are actually buying from that investment, right? So it's it's tough for me to go that route. So I'm trying to rely a lot on, on my Facebook friends and uh, just word of mouth at this point. And, uh, pretty much it. I still make TikTok videos. I still post on Instagram and stuff. But how effective it is, I have no idea.
4: <laughs> yeah, I go on Instagram I have all these friendly crashes from a bunch of like Models From like all over the yeah. world Like, oh, I'm really popular, holy crap Man, oh, whew
1: <laughs> It's uh...
4: So get you, caught, get you caught up, Austin We were basically just talking about how he got started In the paranormal and how He's a self, you know, publisher Of his books, Welcome to Scareville The Welcome to Scareville series And we we're talking about how You guys you know, doing the Forgotten Explorations, you know, how people, they don't rely on big media to get their ideas out anymore. People are doing stuff on their own, you know, like yeah. uh, like artists, musicians going on SoundCloud, you doing your, your thing on YouTube and um, John, you know, writing books and publishing it himself to get his work out there. And it's really, really neat that we can do that yeah. now. Yeah, so I mean, but like he was saying, you
3: know, you invest some sort of money into it, and you know, rhyme or reason,
4: what you're gonna
0: get. You
4: I mean, you hope the money goes to where it's supposed to go, but you you don't know. Yeah. It's like, oh well, give me yeah. like or those those. Uh, you always get those things on Facebook, you know, where it's like spend five dollars and you'll go and you'll have your thing on like blasted everywhere and like, oh you know, where? Yeah. where? are they going to be? Are they going to my audience Are they going some place that not not, not even gonna pay attention to what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, you're gonna be one of those ads that
3: pop up and stuff
4: like yeah. that
3: cream Yeah, something.
4: exactly. Ooh. The, <laughs> the freaking house and paranormal show. I'll be one of those <laughs> annoying pop up ads that people will just click on and they'll like, you know, I hate this show. You keep <laughs>
0: The so, <laughs> TikTok popping up pop. yeah, on, constipation. No, uh, the
4: freak paranormal show. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um It is, it is
3: so confusing. Though, like Austin was saying, I really don't know where it's going. And
0: uh, one thing I've
3: learned, especially with TikToks, so like I said, I still make videos on their site. I just enjoy making funny or, or cool or creepy TikToks or whatever. But. Um, You can tell when people buy their followers on TikTok. And and the reason I found this out is because of my own profile. Uh, I only have, like, 390 followers or whatever. Um, But I have a few videos that I put that $20 of marketing into, and they have, you know, 4,000, 3,000, 5,000 views or whatever. Uh, But the rest of my views on my videos go from 200 to 500 views. So if you look at people's profiles and you Mm -hmm. see they've got only videos pinned at the top with a million views and the rest of them have 200 views, you know that they bought those views and those followers from those videos have led to nothing those people that like that video
0: have never liked me <laughs> yeah. nice. i think
4: it's all too Gazy. i think it's all fake so i don't yeah, know yeah a lot of my followers are cause i'm trying to get to the a thousand one thousand followers that i can do live on tick you know yep. and more it's like a more of a personal thing because you've got to get to that and i'm just like Something out this random video. They did one video of like me looking at a cracker box or something. There are people like, Ooh, so, you know, liking it and stuff. And I, I go like friend requests and a bunch of people who don't even have any videos up or anything. It's just, yep. it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not real. It goes to
0: count. Yeah. I no
4: pun intended. <laughs> oh. I mean, that would be kind of cool if it was actually it goes to count.
1: Accept
3: yeah, i accept A thousand followers to be able to go live, that's, that's huge. That's my goal, too, because I, I do think that's one genuine way you can get real followers is when you go live and they start to Yeah, you, so. yeah and I, I definitely feel like if you go live, if, uh, we've gone live a few times on, on TikTok and
0: stuff like that, but you you kind of, like, go more towards that audience. Like, mm-hmm. if you, like, say something in your phone about buying Ziploc bags,
3: and then you know but you're scrolling
4: through Facebook later, and Ziploc bags pop out, kind of like that. I like, I want all of us get. If you can add about Ziploc bags anywhere, let me know. know. Yes, know. we're gonna we're gonna have to do do a compare. store <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I don't
0: yeah, like
4: I don't know where I think it's gonna happen. Where I can go live? It's not like I get like a million followers and go live on Facebook or anything, but. You know, I can I can promote Welcome to Scareville books and Forgotten mm-hmm. Explorations when I go live on TikTok. So gotta get to that. I'm at some like 950 followers right now. So you gotta get get me past that. You gotta get past that so I can, you know, push you guys. Push is your
3: your TikTok profile is it the same name as the show or is it Ryan Jones? Ryan C like Jones. C. Yeah, TikTok. I think
4: I think we're friends on TikTok. Pretty sure.
3: Honestly, I go on there and make videos, and sometimes I forget to follow people. But I I lose track, so but I'll check and make sure. If I'm not, I'll, I'll definitely
4: give you a follow. Yeah, I'll, I'll randomly put videos on there, and uh, check out other other videos and, and see what, what what's going on. I think I might have sent you a message on on TikTok, and that's how I got in touch with you the first time. It was a long time ago when we uh, when we first got in touch about it. So. Um, Let's go back to the paranormal. Uh, what, what's we only have like uh, a few minutes left? What was your What's your favorite like? Your top three favorite experiences you've had while investigating or being a part of the paranormal.
3: Oh man, top three favorite. I don't even know if I would do favorite or what was the most
4: frightening. Oh man. Oh good, yeah, same thing. Something no, that um, stands out, I guess, would be my would be better term for it.
3: So one of the one of the ones that really stands out was uh, when I was investigating at the Monroe House, this would have been three or four years ago now, but uh, we were doing a live. It was my Dead Republic team. We were there investigating just as a have have fun investigation, right? And uh, I was recording on Facebook Live, um, and just the presence in that house was really heavy, really dark. And uh, long story short, I felt like a water dropping hit my neck, and I blacked out, and during the Facebook live stream, apparently I had cussed out some somebody's lady. Uh, things went south, and it was very short. Everybody on the team had to escort me out of the house because I was becoming very agitated and semi-violent at that point, and I didn't remember any of it. So to me, when people ask me what's the most frightening thing is when you don't realize things that are happening are happening to yourself, right? There are things that you're doing, you just black out. That, that to me, is the scariest. But uh, I do remember um, same night, the it sounded like it was raining outside so we go outside because it was the middle of summer and it was a hot day we didn't know it was supposed to rain it wasn't raining well behold, there's millions of bugs just flying into this house crawling all over the place and um really really surreal feeling like it made me feel sick to my stomach and i wound up walking to one of the neighbor's houses i probably could have got shot but i was checking to see if there were bugs there was no bugs the only house that was getting pumped up by bugs was the monroe house and uh you know, I don't use the phrase demon lately. I don't, I'm don't. i not one of those people. Um, I still don't know whether that place holds something like that or not, but they do say that those kind of infestation things, when they happen, could be the sign of it, right? I So that was a really freaky um, situation, really, really uh, bizarre night. Um, and ever since then, I've never gone on Facebook Live during an investigation ever since then. I'm just terrified for that to happen again, and I don't want that sort of thing. Happening. So that would be one, maybe
4: two stories wrapped in one, but, uh, have you guys ever been to the Monroe House? I have not been. I out. It, not. I've been to the, to the Belair House. That's the only place I've been to out in Ohio. Um, okay. So the
3: Monroe House is out in, uh, Hartford City, Indiana. If you guys ever get a chance to go, go, um, it's a, it's an intense, intense, intense place to go, but, um, yeah, I mean, definitely check it out if you ever get a chance. Um, Outside of that, I'm going to say this other one was at the Hinsdale House in New York. Um, it wasn't really anything crazy, but it's one of the creepiest things I've ever had while trying to sleep at a location. Um, so, have you guys been to the Hinsdale House? I have. I've heard of it. I've seen videos of it, but I have not. It's on my thoughts. Okay. So, Ryan, since you've been there, you'll be able to kind of know what I'm talking about a little bit. So, I was sleeping in one of the sofas in the living room. My buddy Darren was on the other shelf on the other side. And then my buddy... Eddie was sleeping in that first bedroom when he first walked in the house from the uh, screened in porch. Anyways, we're trying to sleep, and uh, my buddy Darren didn't hear, but I did and Eddie did. We had everything locked up on the outside. couldn't get into the porch, but middle of the night, I don't know what time it was. I was too terrified to move, but we heard heavy boots walking across the wood planks in that front porch area, and then not even two or three seconds after it stopped, I heard the doorknob to get into the house jiggle two or three times. And it woke me up out of a dead sleep had me terrified, paralyzed with fear. Eddie, who was in like the first bedroom, he also heard it. Um, but a lot of it, it stopped that that. But to just, to just wake up in the middle of the night hearing mm-hmm. that in a hard place is interesting. That doesn't normally happen. So um,
0: that would be
3: another one. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to speed rush through these. side so I if I'm talking fast. Um Goodness, I guess I would say just the shadow figures that I saw out at St. Albans down in your guys' neck of the woods in Virginia. Um, that that had to be the most shadow figures I've ever seen on in a location ever. And people talk about how rare it is to see shadow figures. I think I I, I want to say at least seven or eight times I saw different shadow figures, whether it was down in the basement slash bowling alley or up. I don't mean, think that that place is a I don't know where I was at, but lo I saw a lot of them. So just to answer the question, so
4: it seems to get turned around. When you're in St. Albans, Neil, I must make a GPS to get through. That. I've been there a couple few times, and it's like, okay, I don't know where I am right now, <laughs> especially when it's when it's dark and you're like trying to fig trying to find your way through and stuff. It's good. Yeah. It all looks the same. Like, yeah,
3: it same. <laughs> you're like where in the hell am I? It's just that. Uh, yeah, it's a that's a tricky place, but it's really cool. I'm hoping I can get back to this. We'll see
0: going
4: kind to of go back to what you were talking about earlier about the, you said a, a, a drop of water hit your neck and then it's, you know, you, was it that, was it the, the water that set it off or what what was um, it? I
3: don't know. Um, honestly, that was the last thing I remember was feeling a water drop hit, hit my neck. Um, after that, I blacked out until I took him out of the house. Um, they said my face was different, like it was angry and just stuff like that. I don't remember any of it, um, but after Doing research after the fact, apparently water supposedly means some kind of malevolent spirit. If water just randomly appears mm-hmm. or drops or do, that sort of thing, and I, I had no idea at the time, and I'm still not even sure if I fully grasp the concept,
4: but
0: that's what happened. So uh, yeah, mm. it's
4: got to be scary to to experience uh, something like that, and then to wake up and or come to. Maybe I guess be like, would you, would you was it like how long was it? Were you dealing with that where it's like, was it like five minutes? Was it just something where it's like happened for like a few minutes and you came back or like where, how much time had passed before you realized what was going on?
3: So in total, I would say it was probably 10 to 15 minutes. Um I don't remember everything, uh but I know they tried to get me out of there pretty quickly. Once I started cussing out some old videos on the live stream and,
0: um,
3: they could tell I wasn't myself and the way my face looked. They just said, like, you know, as an investor, yeah. you know when someone themselves and try to get them out of that situation. So that's what they did. Uh, I would imagine they got me out in three to five minutes or so. So maybe it wasn't even 15 minutes. It just seemed like it was a long, blank period. But, um, yes, I don't know. Uh, I never asked, like, how long was I out or anything like that. That was the least of my concerns. I was more worried about the fact that i cussed someone out. And I had people reach out to me like, "Yo, why did you, you know, cuss out this lady? Like, I, was, I had a podcast at the time and. My buddy that was on the podcast was furious,
4: like you're ruining our reputation, and blah
3: blah blah. So, I mean,
4: those those are you're in a public, you're in a paranormal place, and people, you've got to realize that that may happen. It's not unheard of. I know people have who have had that experience before, where that's happened, Um, and I know somebody who's happened this happened too recently. It's not your fault, it's not anybody's fault. It just happens. It's not like you want that to, you weren't, you know, going in, going into it like, Well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to go in there, I'm gonna find this old lady, I'm gonna cuss her out. I'm gonna ruin her my reputation because that sounds like a fun thing to do. No, it's right. Something you Yep. I wanna say you expect you something you need to expect or or more like something don't be surprised or don't be shocked. When something like that happens, when you go to a paranormal location. Now, if you're walking down the street in the total, total normal circumstance and you start cussing people out for no reason, they're like, "Okay, all right, well, that's that's." I, I can see why people get pissed off at that, but you know, yeah, you built an excuse. I was in a haunted house, so
3: you know. <laughs> yeah. I- but I will absolutely recommend it any time you guys can. I don't know how far they're out there booked, but if you guys ever can, and I know it's a long drive from Virginia, but Monroe House is unlike uh, like anything else out there, man. It's it's pretty
4: pretty wild there. well uh, When you come out to Virginia, you come out to the cabin on 360, I think Austin will agree that it's a pretty haunted location. We have here in Virginia, Um yeah. Really?
3: Okay. Yeah. I, I, I uh I know a couple of my friends went down there, like Ryan Seymour, oh yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Caillou. I don't remember who he was there with, but I know he filmed there with someone. Uh, I remember watching
4: that episode, it was pretty cool. Yeah, the uh Dead Explorers, they were there. they came out here in um back in July last year. Um so yeah, if you ever come out wanna come out I'll I will definitely love to have you come out and join us sometime. Oh, that would be awesome. So, but we are getting close to the end of the show, guys. Austin, thank you so much for coming on. I know you had your uh, invest your interview. Yeah, sorry,
0: sorry, I was late.
4: <laughs> it's all good. I hope it went well. I tried watching because I watched some of it this uh, this afternoon. This earlier, I watched uh, a little bit of it. Um, sound like it, it did very well. John, uh, thank you so much. If you want to talk about where people can find you or how people can support you, this is the floor is yours. Uh, thank you.
3: And first of all, just thank you guys for having me on the show today. I love uh, just chit-chatting all things
0: spooky and unusual, so uh,
3: paranormal, horror, all that good stuff. Uh, as far as how you guys can find me, it's pretty easy. Um, you can look me up as John Ward on Facebook. Uh, then the rest of it on social media, if you look up Scareville Books, whether it be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you can find those uh, Scareville Books pages as well. Uh, be sure to give them a like and a follow. But most of my content I post is through my own personal Facebook profile, um, whether it's about the books or just in general life stuff. But, um, yeah, feel free to give me a follow. I, you know, I, I'm a friendly guy. I love chatting with people and, um, any support I can get, I'm always super appreciative. Uh, I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but I really do appreciate it. Uh, I see how much it means, especially when doing these books. So, and, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the feel pretty quick and easy.
4: All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And, uh don't party too hard you know celebrating that argentina's flag and everything i know it's i know it's a big holiday for you guys so uh you know just you know be responsible and uh i appreciate you and uh I'll, when you next year book next next book comes out i'd love to have you back on to talk about it and talk yeah. more about paranormal stories yeah absolutely i could talk about both
3: for hours so um definitely would love to come back on and uh after the show, I'm going to get back to celebrating Flag Day, uh, as I was earlier. So. Oh, yeah.
4: Okay. I want to interrupt your celebrations any more than I already have. So I will talk to you later. Have a great night. Bye, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Yep. So.